Are you a man looking for an intensive program to help you overcome sexually addictive behaviors? Gateway to Freedom is your answer. Gateway to Freedom is a three-day workshop for men seeking to overcome any destructive sexual habits. Whether married, single, or divorced, Gateway to Freedom will help men regain hope for a new life of purity and real contentment. The workshop is conducted by experts in the field of sexual addiction recovery with decades of combined experience. Read testimony of workshop alumni at gatewaymen.com. Get all the info and register online at gatewaymen.com or call 1-800-49-PURITY. Hi, my name is Jonathan, and I'm the founder of the Gateway to Freedom Workshop. And I want to personally invite you to register for our next workshop coming up November 10th through the 12th in Florida, just outside Orlando. So give us a call at 1-800-49-PURITY or register online at gatewaymen.com. Welcome to Pure Sex Radio with your hosts, Jonathan and Stephen. This dynamic program is designed to educate, encourage, and equip listeners with the tools necessary for living a life of sexual purity. Visit us online at puresexradio.com. And now, please welcome Jonathan and Stephen on Pure Sex Radio. Good day, radio listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. We're glad to have you here with us. My name is Jonathan. I'm here with Stephen. How are you today, my friend? I am good. I'm blessed. Uh, I love having you know these times together where we can share thoughts. Oh yeah, I love it because uh, you know after doing this for so many years and having you know like 600 of these under Amazing. our belt. It's it's really easy to think, well, we've haven't we talked about everything there is <laughs> to talk about? And it's like every time it seems like, well, nope, there's more that we could explore and and so I'm excited about this one. I want to just jump in because this is folks, this is sort of just a hodgepodge of random insight. Well, I don't want to say random, but just insight. So we're gonna maybe deal with talking a little bit about fantasy and maybe then just talking yes. a little bit about some you know, spiritual aspects, and then also just some emotional stuff. So we hope that something you can glean out of this, maybe just take one or two and run with them uh, wherever you're at in your life, and we hope that this will benefit you. From So, Stephen, I'm going to pass it off to you and, and see where we, might, uh, where we might go this time. So miscellaneous thoughts. Yeah. I just like to pick up thoughts that people share with me uh, in different settings. Um, sometimes in the office, sometimes at a men's retreat, sometimes I'll hear people on the radio talking or reading a book. So, But this guy made a statement once. He said, uh, I get lost in my own fantasy. And I thought, that is wild. How do you get lost in your own fantasy? I mean, you make up fantasy, right? Right. And you enjoy fantasy, but it's like I make up fantasy so good and so sophisticated so well that I actually get lost roaming around in my own fantasy. I thought, wow, that is wild. Well, the first thing I thought of, Stephen, when you said that was, you know how you talk about when we, we talk about these roles that people adopt? Yes. And uh, some people adopt the, the lost boy role. I'm thinking, well, maybe that's what he, he is, too. You know, even uh, in his own uh, fantasy, he's a lost <laughs> boy, you know. but uh, That is too good. That but, is good. you know, uh, the one way you could spin that is you could say, you have an incredible imagination. Because yeah, if, if you can come up with – 
yes. the world that just in your head that you even get lost in, you know? So this guy says to me, he says, when I get anxious, my fantasy goes up. Mm. And I thought, oh, that's how you deal with anxiety. How are you supposed to deal with anxiety? <gasps> this is anxiety. Okay, I'm feeling anxious right now. I've got some stress and tension in my body. I'm going to breathe. I'm going to remind myself. I'm going to look around. I'm like, okay, I'm okay right now. God is good. Right is right. I'm feeling energy in my body. You're supposed to talk yourself through your anxiousness. But this guy just, oh, I don't have to mess with it. Just go away. And this guy could go away for two and three hours at a time. Wow, well, yeah. A very elaborate head place full of fantasy. And, you know, I think everybody does some fantasy. I mean, you know, I don't know. Is is heaven, is that creativity or is that fantasy? I don't know what heaven is. I have to make it up in my mind. Right. What he- I like and- to, one of the things that I've tried to do in recent years talking about fantasy is try to put it into the context of imagination. Yes. And if we look at the whole context of imagination, imagination in and of itself is good because it indicates part of our being made in the image of God, right? To yes. be able to create yes. in our minds. I think within that, then we have to set a certain line that says there is good, positive, healthy kinds of imagination. Yes. And then there are negative, not so good, unhealthy good. kinds of imagination. But imagination in and yeah. of itself is not bad. You know, like, like imagining losing weight, you know? That's good, <laughs> that's that's a good, good imagination. Ima- so that I pass on that donut or something. So this next comment is interesting, especially if you heard the trauma talk that we had at one point on the radio. Because this guy said, I have fear, and my fear is that I'll let someone down. Mm. Now, remember, everything in you is connected to something else, right? Whatever's coming out this end is connected to the past. So if if you believe what we said, what happens today is based on traumas of the past. Mm. Then I must have let someone down in the past, yeah. and it must have been painful. So now I'm scared of letting someone down. Either that or maybe I had witnessed, you know, somebody very close to me having let somebody down or let me down or, you know, just any kinds of ways in which that played out in terms of that connection. But impacting there. you. Impacting, so that yeah. that's, I mean, that's a fear. You you might let some people down. Well, let's see, that's a reality. We're all going to let each other down, yeah. right? That's right. But there's but, a difference between acknowledging that as a real emotion and a fear and letting that basically, in this guy's case, paralyze you into anxiety that causes you to want to escape reality. Yes. That's when it becomes very unhealthy. You know, like, and if you put these together, I want to go to fantasy because if I do something, I might let you down. You might yeah. be disappointed. I can't have anybody disappointed. That's too heavy. You know? So this other guy says to me, it's really weird because two guys said something about being alone and they were opposite. One guy said, alone is really a struggle for me. It scares me when I'm alone. And another guy said, I love being alone. I, love, <laughs> I can't wait till everybody leaves the house and I'm alone. Now, why are you laughing? Uh, because I I enjoy being alone. Uh, so I'm not, to so me, it's not world. a struggle. It doesn't bother me at you all. You play so. golf by yourself sometimes, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think, wow, he must really be at peace with himself. You must be at peace with yourself to just go and walk and and just enjoy yourself, you're spending time with you. I mean, I think it's healthy, actually. Yeah. Now, that's very different from the the 
reason and the and the why I would want to be alone back in my addiction days. That was more of an escape. And the irony is, in those days, I feared being alone because I knew just how. Oh, so here's both of them right here. Why did you? Were you afraid? Oh, to be I just alone? knew I would always make a stupid decision. I always knew where you aloneness would end up. You for couldn't me. trust yourself. I was. You I was had un- no control. Think of it this way. You know, maybe this is a way we can help our listeners understand when we talk about a person being either emotionally safe or unsafe. Mm -hmm. Anybody who's got an addiction is an emotionally unsafe person, right? Right. Have you ever thought that that emotional unsafety applies to them being unsafe for themselves as well? So, for instance, I I wasn't only emotionally unsafe for other people. I was emotionally unsafe for myself. So to get alone by myself, I was going to do something destructive. As I've gone through recovery and there's been a lot of growth, my ability to be okay with being alone now has to do with the rest that I have in my identity and that I'm no longer striving to prove myself. I don't have to present myself as something I'm not. There's just a lot of peace. And so therefore now my aloneness, I go, hey, I don't have to, I don't feel threatened by my aloneness to think that I'm going to go do something stupid. But you also don't, you don't have to be around people in, no, I'm an introvert. In, yeah. Well, but I mean, you don't have to perform. You don't have to look right. good. Right. You don't have to say the right things. You know, some people will say a relationship's really exhausting because yeah. they're they're you know you gotta get in the rhythm and you gotta do your part. You gotta say smart things. It's a, yeah. And I, so I I feel um, I kind of recharge in in aloneness. And so that's one of the reasons why I think... And what does that mean? How do you recharge in aloneness? uh, Prayer, reading, just... But when you're on the golf course, what are you doing? Just walking and looking nature and doing what? Well, it's interesting because the way that works for me, and I think this works for a lot of guys who like maybe an activity Mm -hmm. that's part of their aloneness, is it gives a sense of focus. So, like, if... It's very different for me to think I've got some alone time and I've got a particular thing I'm going to do than me saying I've got some alone time and there's no oh, plan. I know what to do. That's a little bit more threatening to me because I'm thinking uh, like literally nothing. We're not going to do anything. I'm not going to do anything. You know, so <laughs> I do have to – I do like to have at least some kind of – Activity. So you're going to think about the game, yeah. right? You'll think about family, kids, planning back to the game, yeah. walking, strategizing. And what I would say to our listeners is, I hope what you're getting out of this is it's important to go on a journey of kind of self-knowledge. Do you know yourself? Are you yeah. getting to know yourself? And and also seeing that you, if you're in a place right now that I, that I was mentioning where I was before, where aloneness scared me because I knew just how unsafe I was right. even with me. I want to give you encouragement that that's not what you have to get stuck in. There can be transformation even. In other words, some people think, okay, alone is bad because every time I'm alone, I do something stupid. And I'm trying to say, no, no, no. It wasn't the aloneness in and of itself that was bad. It was how unsafe I was emotionally, how I was handling that aloneness. Mm-hmm. So, But can, there was no rest in your system. Right, so, so when you, you probably, had a chance to be restful, you weren't. You've probably heard this from guys before where they'll say something like, well, I just got to stay busy. Oh, right. Yes. And that's a plan. People tell each other, stay busy, stay busy. Stay busy busy so that you can't do anything stupid. And I'm thinking, well, you're going to become just as stressed out and and overloaded doing that than if you were going and looking at porn. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, one's cleaner 
Yeah. <laughs> but you got no rest in the system right. still, right? right? No, that's good. So one guy said, I worry and then I become fearful and then I worry and become fearful and worry and become fearful. We and then you could probably become afraid you're going to worry and then you worry <laughs> that you're afraid. And then after that, you need a porn fix. Right. You exactly. Know? Yeah. Or, or you need somebody to, sorry, it sounds bad, slap you around, wake you up and tell you, what are you doing? Well, and that's part of it here is I think, I think this is a good indicator that a lot of times our emotions can start to spiral on themselves. Mm. You know, like worry and fear, they're cousins, right? So they can really start to spin together out of control. So I love this line. One of the guys said, I wanted God and I wanted porn and I wanted both of them in my being to coexist. And and I would go to church on Sunday and say, I want God. And then Friday would come and I would want porn. And I want God and I want porn. I thought that was hilarious. And then he said, okay, God wins. I just want God now. Yeah. And I think that's the difference between, uh, you know, I, I, I love Romans 7 where the Apostle Paul is talking about, man, the things I want to do, do I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, I do, and the struggle with sin and all this. Mm. And I love the fact that he he is always pointing that the things he wants to do are God-oriented. Mm. Every single part of that scripture that says the things I don't want to do, it's all related to sin. So he's understanding a sense of where his true desire is. And I think what this guy is recognizing is, I was confused at a point in my life where I had so, you know, either listened to the world, listened to my lust, been engulfed with porn, that I had this thought that I really do want these two things to coexist in my being. Right, but at one point, one is really good, and then when when life is hard and escaping to fantasy, I mean, at some point, they're really good. You believe they're both good. Yeah, and and what I like about what he's finally recognizing here is he says, okay, if I really get honest about what I truly do want, Mm -hmm. I, I really just want God. You know, in the deep places, yes. Because he says, I lived for 30 years in darkness. Yeah. I kept trying to add a little God to the darkness, you know, bring a little God in, shake like salt and pepper, a little God in for 30 years. But I lived in the darkness. Wow. And he said the struggle was me control or do I turn my life over and have God control? Yeah. So yeah. And that's really, I mean, isn't that really the ultimate question? for all of us is who's going to be in control. Um, and so I, I would invite the listeners. I mean, I hope you don't have to go on a 30-year journey. Maybe some of you already have. That's okay. Mm-hmm. But but to come to this conclusion is good to be, finally say, because I, 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 I hear a sense of, of rest that finally can't. Because, you know, one, you're trying mm-hmm. to hold these two opposing things together in your life. God and porn are opposed. Let's just be clear about that. So you're trying to hold these two opposing things in your being, and all that creates is stress and anxiety. And what he, what yeah. I hear is, you know what, I just want God. And so there's a, there's a release, there's a rest now, because it's not about me trying to control my life anymore. So another guy said, I really need Jesus to be my friend. I need him to be real. I need to walk and talk with him. Because when I look over my shoulder, sin is lingering. Mm. It's back there. It wants me back. It calls my name and says, I can deliver. If Jesus can't deliver, my name is sin and I can deliver. Mm. Uh, So I better be standing in his presence, walking with him. He better be my best friend. Well, and I love this because he talks about Jesus as a friend. 
And I think about in in uh, John when Jesus says, you know, greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. And what did Jesus do for us? He laid down his life for us and he called us friends. And so uh, elsewhere in the Proverbs, it talks about a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Hmm. And, and you know, I hope that some of that just maybe brings imagery to mind of, you know, Jesus walking alongside of us in life. And, um, and sin is kind of like those, uh, you know, like just an annoying little dog that'll come and try to <laughs> nip at your knee- heels or whatever. And we want to remember, wait a second, I'm walking with my friend here. Let me just kick that dog out of the way. I don't, I don't need that in my life right now. And, and uh, so sometimes those visuals can help us remember what this journey looks like. So the next guy said, whenever I'm alone, I have to either press into God or press into brothers because mm-hmm. being alone is not good for me. I've got to go find God and have a dialogue or I've got to find a brother. Yeah. I do think community is absolutely important. I guess I would, I would, I don't know. Maybe this is because of my personality and the way I'm bent. I would challenge people to be careful about dubbing the idea of aloneness as somehow being bad or wrong or whatever. Loneliness mm-hmm. is something we need to try to avoid because I do believe loneliness is an indication of a soul cry. Yes. Because we are made for community, and I do not believe we are meant to live a lonely existence, meaning disconnected and detached from relationship. But that doesn't mean that times of aloneness are Mm. in and of themselves bad. So my thought is, in aloneness, we find God, right? So aloneness is where... We're just quiet, and we're just by ourselves on the planet, and there's nobody here but me and my maker, right? Because in my lone place, I find God. In my loneliness, it's my heart cry for community, right? Which we're talking about brotherhood. Because this guy, next guy said, sometimes I get in a funk, and then I have a choice. If I, I can go be alone, and that doesn't always end well, or I can seek a connection, and, you know, he's saying the same thing the other guy did. But his trigger is when I get one of these funky moves where I just feel out of sorts, what am I going to do? Get to a quiet place, be alone, and bring my system back together? Or am I going to go find someone to talk to? And, you know, I think we all get in these places. Oh, yeah. I am just feeling off. Because here's the thing. One of the things that I've found in my own life is while I can be alone and I enjoy that and there can be peace in that, Make no mistake, there are times where I can totally identify with this guy, and my thought is not about being alone for health and all that. It's about being alone to detach. Oh, that's a good point. And isolate. Yeah. And I think that's what he's talking about here. Here's the choice I have. I get in this funk, and I realize I could either detach from relationship or go connect. And what he's realizing is in that funkiness, <laughs> mm-hmm. that's the choice he has. But in when you say detach, is that good or bad, the way you're using it bad. right now? Bad. The just, idea of I'm going to isolate myself from isolate, relationships, yeah. disconnect, mm-hmm. um, for the purpose of not wanting to engage other people. Does that make sense? Yep, so, yep. So the final thought on, on this list of insights is, is I have to grow individually and I have to grow relationally. And I even have to grow in my ability to sit quietly. Mm-hmm. 
in we're now we're in doing the alone talk, right? Not the right. lonely. Sit yeah. quietly, recognize that you're alone on this planet. Nobody else like you. And in the alone place, you can quiet yourself, find rest, pray, be still, mature yourself. Yeah, I think of it. I think of this healthy aloneness. I often refer to it as solitude. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea of exactly these kinds of things: just stillness, praying. And I have to admit, it's a challenge for me. It's a challenge, I think, in our culture because it's hard to, for one thing, just even find quiet places. Yes. Um, and then I think we are so prone to activity, whether it be us physically moving and doing something, or we've got a screen in our face that's constantly wow. moving and doing something. Yes. That just the idea of stillness is a foreign concept in our culture. It's um, good. But it's so valuable to this idea of peace and rest in your, in your soul. Um, and really being able to, I think, be reaffirmed of your identity and knowing who you are in the presence of God and... Think about what he just said. If you sit quietly in aloneness and have a dialogue with your maker, you're going to get renewed and refreshed, and you're going to be rested, restful. And you're going to get that in a way that is uniquely different from the kind of connection you can have in, in, a, in a group or in a church service or something like that. And we need both. And I think, you know, because they are different experiences— we absolutely need to be in, in the context of other people that know our story and that we can confess our sins to and worship together and all that. We need that corporate experience. But we also need this That's silent, right. alone experience, and they're just different, but we need both of them. It's interesting because you don't hear many talks on, let's just talk about aloneness and the power of aloneness yeah. or, or rest. Let's just talk about how restorative rest is and how mm-hmm. important rest is to your soul. So this this other list of comments that I gathered, there's a little bit of overlap. But, but think about somebody saying this, I'm not an emotional person. You, you probably roll your eyes every time somebody <laughs> says that at you, right? <laughs> well, I don't know how you are. How do you not be, how do you just be logic? You don't. You don't feel, you're not sad, you don't grieve, you don't hurt, you don't want, you just logic everything, you know? I would, I would imagine that the person who says this is one who has learned how to control their expressions mm. of emotion, Yeah. meaning they just, they're kind of flat in terms of maybe don't produce tears, they don't you know, have a belly laugh, you know, just those yeah. types of things. And how do you think they respond when an emotional person shows up? I can't imagine that they're moving toward them. No. <laughs> they have a little, a little name tag that says, I, I'm not emotional, so why are you talking to me? Yeah. You're emotional and I am not emotional. Don't talk to me. Because the next line is pretty close to the first one. I'm emotionless. I'm emotionless. That's how I'm going to go through life. I'm emo- you know, you, you know, remember we said about trauma, you are so scared of emotions of your past that you decided to be emotionless. When, I, what I hear in these two is it sounds almost like these might be individuals that would almost wear this proudly as a badge that's saying, hey, oh. see, I, I don't have emotion. I, yeah. I, I'm, no, I'm, you, I'm really mature. Because I don't, it. I don't have emotion, and and yet it's kind of sad, isn't it? Because 
if if they are emotionless or not an emotional person, um, they're missing out on really maybe That's one of the right. largest parts of being human is emotion. All the flavoring yeah. that comes with, yes. So this is a cousin to the first two. You can almost hear this one. I, I don't want an emotional relationship. You can hear a husband saying that that's been damaged. Right. right. And remember we said the outcome is based on the trauma of the past. What kind of parents do you think this guy had? You know, he says, I don't want an emotional relationship. There must have been so much emotions going back and forth. Mom must have been crying and loud. Dad was loud and ugly, and there was just emotions everywhere. So you know how I'm going to live life? I'm going to have a, a relationship without emotions, and then we're going to be happy. Yeah. And the interesting thing is, is if you if you tie this into so much of what we do in our ministry, you see, you see men especially that we deal with pursuing this through what? Pornography. Mm. Just illicit random sex, you know, all these other kinds of things that are absolutely not an emotional relationship, <laughs> not emotional. And where does that leave them? Uh, does that, I mean, are they really satisfied in life through their, their emotionless existence? No. It's like it gets worse and worse and worse. And so um, I, I would say it's, it's, it's worth the risk to engage in emotional relationships and begin to engage your emotions because uh, otherwise you're just missing out on a whole big piece of life. So the, the dialogue continues. If somebody gets emotional, I avoid and I ignore. Mm. Now, what kind of husband is this? His wife's <laughs> crying if she's hurting, you know? And I've heard people say, well, she was all upset, so I, I just thought she wanted to be alone. I, I just left her alone. She was sad, but... I knew she'd get over it, so I, just, I didn't want to get in the way. I just, I left her alone. Yeah, um, I can, I think I can hear the ladies through the microphones here <laughs> screaming and saying, you fool, that's not at all what I was thinking, <laughs> right? Because, yes. because, you know, that's the last thing. Now, I'm not saying that the husband at that point is then to try to bring solutions. That's mm. just, that's also foolish, right? But to be available, to be engaged, to be present is so important. And I have to admit, I mean, let me just, you know, be brutally honest. I have to admit, I've not always hit home runs on this one. I've had plenty of times in my, because of my tendency to to be introverted and, mm-hmm. and even also uh, struggle with the idea of highly emotional expressions. Um, sometimes I've had the tendency to pull back and go, whoa, okay, we, <laughs> we kind of just hit my line where I've, I'm like, that's overwhelming yeah. to me. Um, and so that's one that I've had to work on. And it's not always easy because in order to engage somebody when they're at a place of emotional turmoil of whatever yeah. degree, it means a part of you has to connect with them. Well, guess what part has to connect? Your emotions. You have to, mm-hmm. there has to be, even if there's not empathy, you have to bring sympathy Mm. in the sense of, okay, I may not be able to relate to you as if I were in your shoes, but in order to to be present, I have, to, to, survive. Extend, I have to extend a sympathetic yeah, gesture. Yeah, something know. emotional. Yeah. Sympathy is good. When in doubt, be yeah. sympathetic. That's good. Because let's assume this is just one person with all these sure, points. Yeah. It just makes it easier. So when my wife talks, I just shut down. She gets mm-hmm. all emotional. She's got all these problems. She's got all stressed. I just shut down. 
I just, I know she's overwhelmed. I don't want to make it worse. So I just shut down. Well, that just makes it escalate. Right? <laughs> she goes, why am I even talking to you? Yeah. If you're not going to engage me, help me clarify anything. So I don't really like to be close. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uncomfortable. You get close. I live detached and, you know, yeah. this world has a place for everyone. So I just live detached. Well, and and I mean, again, in our world that we live in today with all the devices and so many things, it's Ooh. easier and easier to actually engage this in terms of not being close, even though you're in the same house. You can just oh, yeah. text each other or People say everything. upstairs, I just text Yeah, they just become down. functional. Yeah. And so yeah. it's like even just physical proximity isn't the same maybe as it used to be in terms of communication. Mm. So we feel as if, well, hey, I talked to my wife tonight. Well, I didn't actually speak any words out of my mouth, but I had a long text conversation. It's like, that's not the same or, as... You know, some guys will even say, I had the whole conversation in my head. Right. I knew what you were going to say, so I just said, I just had the conversation. Yeah. So the last line this guy says is, I really don't deserve to be loved. Mm. So that I don't look for it. I don't expect it. I don't practice. I don't try to get there. Wow. What a shame I line, don't right? deserve to be loved. Well, folks, thank you for being with us here. And, you know, uh, if you've got some insights that you would like to share with us, please send them to mypoint at puresexradio.com, or you can even uh, send them to us at puresexradio on Twitter. We would love to hear your uh, comments and your insights, and we hope that some of these have been helpful to you as far as just moving you forward in your own journey. And we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. God bless. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.